The Chiefs are back in the show for the fourth time in five years, only the third team in NFL history to do so. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, this time Super Bowl 58, and it's an unexpected collision in this game as we come to you from Las Vegas. This Defending the Kingdom episode and all of them brought to you by your friends at Ticketmaster. Mahomes to throw against a four-man rush. Fires it near side to Kelce. Comes back to the ball and hauls it in. Touchdown, Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes absolutely took duct tape and just wrapped the ball around the waist of Travis Kelsey for a 19-yard touchdown. Hi, everyone. I'm Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen. And, yes, we are here in Las Vegas at our team headquarters as the Kansas City Chiefs get ready to play Super Bowl 58 at Allegiant Stadium here uh, in Vegas against the San Francisco 49ers. And interesting, the path to get here, uh, this is a little bit of going back to last week's DTK, the path to get here a little bit different, but again, here we are. Yeah, how cool is this? I never get tired of doing these podcasts from hotels because it means <laughs> that something went wildly right, and here we are once again uh, getting ready for the Super Bowl, and it's something that we have to enjoy every single time, right? I mean, to go to four Super Bowls in five years, this doesn't happen really at all in the NFL. We're one of a very select few to make this kind of run, but every single trip is special and memorable for so many reasons. So got to enjoy this. Uh, it's Tuesday of Super Bowl 58 week. Can't wait for the game to get here, but again, what an achievement by the Chiefs to make it to this point. Now let's go win it. Warmer in Kansas City that is here, so it's cold and rainy, but hey, it's a first-world problem, uh, right? <laughs> we are here. But let's go around the world while we sit here, uh, and a ways from the strip, uh, but getting ready a for ways. this game. A ways. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe on purpose, but that's okay. Uh, let's get in your space station and go around the world. So I've got three today for Patrick Mahomes going for his third Lombardi nice. trophy. So uh, we ran into, I believe his and name for is... for Jan Stenner, it's three field goals in Super Bowl Four. <laughs> yes, there we go. Okay. Uh, I believe his name is John, and we met his daughter Ivy during our journey to Allegiant yesterday, which if we want to, we can get into our <laughs> Homer's odyssey of getting from across <laughs> the highway from the convention center here in Vegas to Allegiant Stadium. We could see it. We could see it. It was right there in front. We could see it. <laughs> it was right there. But there's there's limited walkways and, and bridges, and it was difficult. Mitch and I got some really great bonding time in yesterday, walking along the highway in the rain. But, hey, we made it. All was well. Uh, so shout out to John and his daughter, Ivy. Uh, we heard from Joel. Where so, were they from, by the way? They were very You know, it was, it was very quick in passing. We didn't catch where they were from. Basically what happened was Mitch and I were – walking to the convention center somewhat frantic yeah, somewhat frantic because we tend to get lost and uh i just hear someone yell is that mitch holtis and they run over and then they said hi to you and they're like matt hi and they said hi to me and introduced his kids and we took a photo all in the span of like 45 seconds very enthusiastic very nice people shout out to you you know who you are uh we heard from joel so joel wanted to shout out his parents andrew and shirley and his brother pete uh, so his parents, Andrew and Shirley, are from Prince Edward Island. It is the smallest province of Canada. Uh, so he wanted to add Prince Edward Island to the list of all the places people are listening from. Have we got every province in Canada? Well, he actually brought that up in his message to me. He's like, he I know did. you're trying to get every province. I bet Thank you don't you. have Prince Edward Island. That would Edward be a hard Island. one to get. It would. So we have it now. 
Uh, his brother is from New Brunswick. Uh, and get this, they went to their first Chiefs game a few weeks ago. It was the Dolphins game. <laughs> so their first ever time going to a Chiefs game in Kansas City was the fourth coldest game in NFL history. And I applaud you for that. I feel like in a video game, like when you get a medal for unlocking an achievement, everyone that was at that game should have an achievement unlocked, especially if it was your first ever game. Well, <laughs> like it was warmer in Medicine you. Hat, Alberta. <laughs> than it was yeah. that day uh -huh. at GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. You had to go north of the Yukon Territory, I think. To, can you imagine, though, a Canadian going, I'm going south, I'm going to go to a <laughs> Chiefs game, and it's minus 20. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> or maybe we should blame them for it. No, no, no. I, okay. I, I applaud everyone that went to that game, and, and shout-out to Andrew Shirley uh, and Pete for, for making it. Uh, then lastly, shout-out to Patrick and Scott. Now, these are the grandsons of a listener who submitted their names. Uh, Patrick was born before Patrick Mahomes took over at quarterback, but Patrick likes to think that he was named after Patrick Mahomes. Good story. Yep. And uh, also, Scott's paternal grandparents grew up near where you're from, in Smith Center in the uh, Athol area. Athol. Athol, yeah. Athol. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm uh, actually from Athol. It's a prominent... Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, a west suburb of Smith Center. I was north of Athol, four miles. What's their names? Uh, so the people that are from Athol are Steve and Shirley. Or okay. St Stephen Sandy, Stephen Sandy, Stephen Sandy. Yeah, mm -hmm. plot thickens. Oh, yep. it's Coolman. Maybe is maybe. there a new Coolman? I don't know. Okay, but you know Eighth. who you are. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I've got for cool. today. All over the place. And I'm going to add one. Paul Hansen is a longtime Chiefs fan. Uh, he's known as Tall Paul, uh, the Apostle, for obvious reasons. Uh, but he listens to every episode of Defending the Kingdom. He loves it, and so uh, loves to comment uh, on every episode. So, Paul, you deserve. Uh, uh, as a kingdom defender, uh, you get your Super Bowl kudos from here <laughs> at our headquarters of Super Bowl 58. But this episode, we're going to kind of uh, focus on what we're calling an unexpected collision. And that is the San Francisco offense, who's been outstanding. We're going to get into the numbers here. But the most surprising team or part of a team of any of the 32 this year, you could argue, is the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Sure. If we break it down as offense defense for 32 teams, meaning 64 units, the Chiefs, if they're not at the top, would be near the top defensively of what they've been able to do. And I think that that's maybe if the 49er fans have not been following the Chiefs, they think of Mahomes and they think of Kelsey and, and they, oh, yeah, we know about Isaiah Pacheco and we see all the commercials, but we really don't know about this defense, but they're finding out about it this week. Can I give you a few numbers about the Chiefs defense this year? Love it. Because it's still not getting the credit it deserves nationally, I feel like. So for one thing, the Chiefs have played 20 games this year, right? A lot of games because obviously the full regular season and then three playoff games. They have allowed fewer than 25 points in 19 of 20 games. The only game they allowed more than that was the Packer game, and they allowed 27 in that one. So they have yet to allow 30 points to an opponent this season. Just been unbelievable. They yielded the second fewest offensive points of any team in the NFL this year. Only Baltimore allowed fewer and only by 10. And then they beat Baltimore just two weeks ago. So kind of evens that out. And here's a new one. This is a really fun one. So the Chiefs have allowed an average of 13.7 points per game during the playoffs. Okay? That's really good. If you look at history, so since 1990, among teams to play three playoff games, that is the sixth lowest points per game allowed in that span. Here are the teams that had better points-per-game <laughs> averages than them. The 2,000 Ravens, who allowed like 
five points per game. <laughs> Thought to be one and two in all-time defenses with the 85 Bears. Yeah, I mean, just Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. Yeah, the 2000 like, Ravens are in that same discussion. The 1998 Denver Broncos. Also in that discussion. The 1990 New York Giants. Also in that discussion. The 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also there. And the 2013 Seattle Seahawks, the Legion of Boom. What do all those teams have in common? They all won the Super Bowl. They sure did. Yeah. I saw that same stat. Uh -huh. And I was, I was <laughs> loving it because uh, it puts it in historical context. Yeah. The other thing that this defense is the youngest in the National Football League. I think that's been a surprising stat for everybody here, whether it's on Media Row where we were at yesterday uh, or throughout Vegas. When you look at the group that last year, again, eight, Defensive players have played on special teams or defense in the Super Bowl. It was an all-time record. But what's stunning is of the second-year players that are on defense, well, the first and second-year guys on defense, there are nine. Six of those are in their second year. They are 36-0 and 0 in the playoffs. <laughs> That's crazy. In their first two years of their career. We saw that show up in the Baltimore game. Yeah. We saw it show up in the game at Buffalo. And the reason is, and you and I saw it the very first day these guys kind of were in town, was this is a very not only physically gifted group. Think about Trent McDuffie being all pro. Think about George Karloftis, 10 and a half sacks. Think about what Jalen Watson has done. And Leo Chennault uh, has been maybe the more underrated player. You and I were talking with Brian Baldinger about it yesterday. When you want a linebacker, you go to Wisconsin and find him. Okay? You, <laughs> Cheese and, fed. And you, and you go to Grantsburg, Wisconsin, you know, population 2,000. But these guys have won. They've won at a high level, and they've played at a high level and playing at a better level this year than they were last year and they helped lead a team to a Super Bowl. Joshua Williams. I don't want to leave anybody out on this. Jack Cochran. Uh, so that, when you consider those numbers and putting them in elite status, at least over the past four decades, and realize this is the youngest defense in the NFL, it just gives you an indication that this Chiefs team is different, but it's also special. Yeah, and that's something that we talked about all year. Back in the summer, we were talking about the potential of it because we knew how impactful that rookie class was defensively. And we talked about, man, if those guys can take a collective step forward, this defense could be really, really special. And we've seen that this year. And a couple of examples, like you mentioned, Trent McDuffie went from having a tremendous rookie season to being an all-pro in his second year. Uh, George Karloftis, think about the tear he ended last season on, having, I think, at least a sack in like seven straight games. Well, he carried that into this season, uh, being tied with Chris Jones for the most sacks on the team with 10 and a half. So when you have players that take their game to the next level, they truly collectively get better, and they've been in big moments. I mean, think about some of the games the Chiefs have been in during their run here over the last several weeks when it's a close game against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. And the Bills have, I think, three possessions with an opportunity to tie or take the lead. Nobody blinks defensively. Nobody blinks. And though that has its roots in this rookie class being so good last year and carrying that now into this season. And I also think when the Chiefs went out and added – a veteran player at every level defensively. That helped a lot. You had Charles Aminihu along the defensive line. Of course, Charles won't play in the Super Bowl, which is a huge bummer, but he was a huge part of this team all year long and helped this team get to this point. You had Drew Tranquil at linebacker. If you watch this podcast often, you know that we love Drew Tranquil on this podcast. And then Mike Edwards at safety has been such a versatile Swiss Army knife for this team. So you take 
that rookie class from last year that is now this great group of second-year players. You had some veterans in there that have done what they've done. Then, of course, you have players like Chris Jones in the middle. This defense has been nothing short of spectacular. Let's throw in Shamari Connor in this, uh, the rookie out of Virginia Tech. Thought, he, hey, he's going to be really good on special teams, which he was. And then when Brian Cook went down with the season-ending injury, Connor, because we play more multiple safeties than any team in the league, uh, and when Connor slipped into that role, look what he did, force fumble against Buffalo. And, and you talk overall about this defense against Miami, the most impressive thing they did, people talk about holding down Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddell. They prevented a double-digit run by either Raheem Mostert or Javon Achan. Now, compare that to the other. I don't care if it was 50 below zero. <laughs> you can still run the ball in 50 below zero. The Chiefs held those two guys who are dynamic to under 10 yards a run. Then in the Buffalo game, you alluded to it, Buffalo snapped the ball 78 times in that game. The Chiefs only had 43 advancements, and there were no plays of over 20 yards in that game. <laughs> That's stunning. You may go two or five years and not see that in the NFL. And then the Baltimore game to hold the Ravens to three points and get the two red zone takeaways. That's what this defense has done in this playoff march. And the depth has been so impressive. I mean, talking about Shamari Connor, think about that Buffalo game. Mike Edwards got hurt on like the second snap of the game. He was in concussion protocol. Shamari Connor comes in, and he was outstanding throughout that game. And then same kind of deal uh, against the Ravens. Uh, Mike got hurt briefly, came back in the game. He only missed three snaps, but Deion Bush came in for him for those three snaps. And his final snap of the game, he picked off Lamar Jackson in the end zone. So... I mean, it really takes everyone on a defense to make it truly a special defense. You can't just have a couple of really good players. And we have some great players at the top, right? Guys like Chris Jones, guys like Legereus Sneed. But there are so many players on this defense that have helped contribute to what it has been. And it's a championship-caliber defense. It's one of the primary reasons that we're here. And let's see what they can do here against the San Francisco offense. And the other shake-my-head stat is they've not allowed double-digit points in the second half for eight consecutive games. That includes two against Buffalo, one against Miami, and then the game at Baltimore in the <laughs> AFC Championship. Now, they face some stout offenses. They will face another one in Super Bowl 58. Let's be real. Here, the San Francisco offense, in its own way, has been historic in 2023. And if I had to summarize, it is the most efficient offensive team in the National Football League from the standpoint of they maximize, Matt, every play. If you look at yards per play, yards per attempt in passing, they're the best in 40 seasons. Wow. And you look at Brock Purdy at quarterback. People remember him at Iowa State. He had the great year last year um, and then got hurt uh, in the NFC Championship game against Philadelphia on the first series. But Brock Purdy is the first quarterback in National Football League history to be in the top five in passing yards and 20 or less in passing attempts. That tells you just how efficient this San Francisco offensive team is on the uh, minimal amount of snaps they've had. Well, a lot of it, too, is yards after the catch, and they're really good at piling up yards after the catch. They led the NFL in average yards after the catch this year with 6.7 average yards after the catch uh, following a reception. Uh, we're second on there at six and a half yards after the catch on average. In terms of total yards after the catch, they're fourth in the NFL. And that's really one of my major focuses in this game for the Chiefs defense is you cannot allow yards after the catch on a regular basis to this Niners squad. And we'll dig deeper into all the playmakers that they have. But, 
you look at their overall big play numbers, they led the NFL in plays of 20 or more yards with 86. Now, only 22 of those were on uh, passes that were thrown 20 or more yards downfield. Now, they can be very efficient on those big passing plays where it's not a yards after the catch situation. But for the most part, a lot of these big plays are, you know, 10-yard passes that Debo Samuel or Christian McCaffrey or George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk then breaks a couple tackles and turns it into a 50-yard gain. For the Chiefs in this one and for this defense, which allowed the fewest plays of 20 or more yards in the NFL this year, that's one of the main keys is you cannot allow San Francisco to be efficient with their plays where they turn a 10-yard pass into a 30-yard game. We can give you tons of stats, but one thing that's apparent with this Chiefs team is they are very good tacklers. And I know that seems like something that's kind of somewhat germane. It is not. We take for granted just, and especially the DBs, when you look at Trent McDuffie and we go down to Legereus Sneed, uh, and I don't think we've mentioned Sneed yet uh, in this whole episode. <laughs> the best corner in the uh, NFL. <laughs> but the DBs can tackle. The linebackers can tackle. The defensive front willing tacklers, not just try to get up the field and get sacks. And that is a hallmark of this Chiefs defense. Let me take the 20-plus plays, though, of the 49ers even further because I always look, too, at the last eight games. When we look at these statistical breakdowns, I look at what happened the last two months of the season and then and so far in the playoffs, and the 49ers actually got better. In the last eight games of the year, they were number one in the league with 43 uh, 20-plus plays. But in the playoffs, and here's what's impressive about San Francisco, and they were, you know, they were down to the nitty-gritty in winning these two games, winning at home against Green Bay and Detroit. Seven different guys had 20-plus plays in wow. two games. The guys you mentioned, that are, there's another stat with, I'm going to bring that up with those guys. But then Purdy rushes for over 20 yards on a scramble. But you also look at two other guys when you look at Juwan Jennings had one and Kyle Juszczyk had one. He only has one playoff touchdown in his career, Juszczyk, the Harvard fullback, whose wife designed the jacket for Taylor <laughs> yes, Swift. Yes, right. Right? Uh, but his touchdown was against the Chiefs in Super Bowl 54. Yep. So this is uh, those four present the big play opportunities, but there are others as well. So it's amazing just how much pressure San Francisco can put on any opponent on any single play, but it's equally amazing to see this so-called unexpected Chiefs defense be really good at preventing such plays. And creates a great matchup. Just a, such a fun matchup to watch. It kind of reminds me of when we talked about our matchups against the Dolphins earlier this year, particularly the one early in the season when the Dolphins were like, a million yards ahead of everyone else in terms of yards per game, uh, big plays per game. And the Chiefs at that point as well had allowed the fewest big plays in the NFL, and the Chiefs won that battle. It is interesting as well that Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins head coach, is a disciple of Kyle Shanahan. So we have faced these kinds of offenses before, these hyper-efficient offenses that want to stretch you horizontally as well as vertically. It's very difficult to defend, particularly when a team like San Francisco has so many great playmakers on it, and they do. I mean, they're loaded offensively, uh, and they have a great play caller in Kyle Shanahan. But this Chiefs defense still, once again, is not getting the credit it deserves. It's a hard matchup for San Francisco as well. And, again, this Chiefs defense has been so good during the postseason. We'll need to be at their best once again against the 49ers. One more stat to throw at you about the 49er excellence. And you mentioned these four guys. Right now it's the, it's the Mount Rushmore <laughs> of the uh, San Francisco 49er offense for 2023. Christian McCaffrey's Mr. All-Purpose. Mm -hmm. He's the Wikipedia page for all-purpose yardage for the 2023 NFL season. Um, led the league in rushing. He's incredible as a receiver as well. And this is part of their 
uh, effectiveness. They have a runner who is a great pass catcher. Then they have Debo Samuel, who is a great pass catcher, who is a runner. He's basically a running back catching the ball. But he, Ayuk, and Kittle, those four guys, it's the first team in NFL history, first team in NFL history to have four guys that all have eclipsed 1,000-plus all-purpose yards. So it's not just one guy. It's not just CMC. It's these other characters. And in the playoffs, they've added some others uh, that make this team dangerous. And how do you go about stopping that? Well, I think you have to identify what does the offense begin with. And for me, in a lot of ways, it does begin with McCaffrey. And then when he finds success, it opens up opportunities for everyone else. I really think stopping McCaffrey is the top priority for the Chiefs in this game, just based on my study of these guys, because he led the NFL in scrimmage yards, like you mentioned, over 2,000. Uh, really slippery player, both as a runner and a receiver, who will break tackles. He fits right into that yards after the catch conversation I was talking about earlier. But look at a couple of his down games this year against the Browns, just 52 yards from scrimmage. They lose that game. Against the Vikings, 96 yards from scrimmage. Still pretty good, but kind of low for him because he has high standards. They lose that game. And here's a really interesting number. When he gets uh, less than 16 carries in a game as a runner, they are 1-4 and four this year. When he gets 16 or more carries in a game, including the playoffs, they're 13-0. and 0. You cannot allow this offense to remain on schedule. And Christian McCaffrey getting consistent carries – uh, helps them remain on schedule. And that's why, as much as we're talking about the Chiefs' defense against the 49ers' offense, and we'll talk about the Chiefs' offense here later this week on a different episode, the Chiefs' offense has to keep pressure on the San Francisco offense because you cannot allow them to fall into a rhythm where they are running the football effectively. Because when they run the football, even if they don't run it very well, if they just commit to running the football, they're very tough to beat. Let me give you another one, close margin, because San Francisco, with all the numbers we've given you, and you've alluded to it, they work off a bit of a thin margin. Let me give you another one. Yeah. Brock, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. If he has just one interception, just one, the Niners are 3-4. and four. If he has no interceptions, they were 11-0. and 0. Against Baltimore, they picked him four times. He was sacked twice. In three of the four losses, he was sacked two or more times. So the margin there is very slim. And I know they had the Week 18 game where they didn't play the, the main guys. But still, the Chiefs' defense if you can kind of break through that thin threshold and try to get them off schedule, it could be similar to what the Chiefs did to Baltimore and to Philadelphia a year ago in Super Bowl 57 because I, I see some similarities in these three teams. And you know what's interesting about uh, that Baltimore game that they played uh, toward the end of the season? They still had big plays offensively in that game, but you're, you're totally right. It doesn't matter if you're going to turn the ball over in the red zone. And this Niners offense, for the most part, does not turn the ball over. So they're very efficient with their possessions. They get points uh, more often than not. But uh, this Chiefs defense, if they can be opportunistic, if they can force a turnover here and there, all of a sudden it really gets kind of wonky for this 49ers offense that wants to remain on schedule and play the game on their terms. It's a very similar conversation to what we had, like I said earlier, when we played the Dolphins and when we played the Ravens. These hyper-efficient offenses that – are pretty much used to dominating the competition. If you can throw a wrinkle in there, throw a negative play in there, uh, make it third and 10, take the ball away, all of a sudden it's not working nearly as harmoniously. And that's the key for the Chiefs defense here in this one. And again, I begin, I believe it begins with stopping McCaffrey and making sure they can't run the ball at will. We'll close this way. Matt told you we're going to do another Defending the Kingdom uh, later in the week from here in Las Vegas. But see if you can answer this trivia question. 
Hit us on social, and we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll mention some of you. Get the right answer. This is a fun segment. I like this. Name the San Francisco 49er who was part of the Chiefs in Super Bowl 54, <laughs> and then name the Kansas City Chief that was part of the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 54 and why their roles were significant in that game. Can I give a hint real quick? Sure. I'm not going to give it away. I was on Murfreesboro, <laughs> Tennessee radio this morning, and they were very interested in both players. I'm just going to say that. Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That's all I'm going to say. There you go. <laughs> all right. Matt's there to help you out. But that, that should tell you all you need to know because yep. that makes it real interesting it when sure you get does. to that point. Uh -huh. All right. <laughs> I don't say anything about blue racers or anything else. That's just it. <laughs> so we'll close it out this way. Again, an unexpected collision. The NFL's got the Chiefs against the 49ers for the Lombardian Trophy in Super Bowl 58. But there were very few people back in the summertime that thought it would be the Chiefs' defense that would be a stronghold and a main threat to the 49ers.